That's what I've been waiting for this week. <laughs> That's what I needed. Oh, praise God for His grace, right? His promises are true. Glad you're all here. I pray you're having a great new year thus far. Maybe back from traveling, back at work. <clears throat> trying to already get a refund on my gym membership. Um, hopefully not, but I'm glad that you're here. I recently had a conversation um, with someone, and they were telling me, um, we were talking about, I was talking about my faith a little bit, and they were, they were talking about their mother. They're not religious or anything, not a Christian, and they were telling me how their mother keeps trying to get them to become a Christian. And, you know, she keeps, you know, telling me about it, and I'm just really not sure if I should join and all this stuff. And it was, um, he was like, there's so, there's so many good religions out there. There's so many different good messages and all these things. And it just became uncomfortable to me in the moment because as, even as I talked about it, becoming a Christian, it was almost like I was talking about becoming a member of like the Elks Lodge or something. You know, or a member of the Republican or the Democratic Party or just part of some club, right? Yeah, I'm thinking about becoming a Christian, but there's so many good things and there's, you know, it's got some great teachings and all this stuff. And, you know, oftentimes we talk about our faith. We talk about what it is to be a Christian in those terms a little bit. And the reality is to know Christ, to be identified as one of his it's not about being a part of a group or a club or any of those kind of things. It's about the reality of who God Almighty is and who I am, who He says that I am, and how I relate to Him and how He relates to me. And the message of the Gospel is about how you and I were created for a relationship with God Almighty and how He has restored that relationship. This morning, I want us to see that coming to Christ, knowing God is about forgiveness, which we often forget about, and faith. And so that's the title of the message, I think. Oh, I put it in the wrong place, sorry. Um, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 17 through 26, um, uh, an account of Jesus interacting with some people, and one guy in particular. And so Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, says this, On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. What a scene. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, 
I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us this morning. Lord, I don't have anything clever enough or intelligent enough or insightful enough to communicate this morning. Lord, but the power of your word, communicated by your Holy Spirit through your servant this morning, Lord, has the power to change us in every way. And so this morning I ask you to speak, God. Speak, and may we be not just hearers only, but doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just a little context. Jesus had been traveling around. He'd been teaching. He'd been healing. And he came back. Mark tells us this is Capernaum, right? This is his home base. This is kind of uh, where he set up uh, his base of operations. And people had come from all over. They, began, they had begun to follow him because he healed people. He taught some crazy things. And so they came and they began to pack this place. And it was jam-packed because something was different about Jesus. And he wasn't promoting another club. It wasn't that he was promoting, offering them, you know, another movement necessarily or another group to be a part of. There was something special about the message of Christ. And so they're packed in here and here comes these men, right, with their friend trying to get to Jesus and they can't get in. And so they climb on the roof and they tear the tiles off and they come. Now that's a crazy picture, right? And I could spend a lot of time on that, but I don't really think that's the point here in this passage. So, but it is interesting to see how they really wanted to get to Christ. They knew that getting to Christ was going to make a difference. But the message here, the headline in this whole passage is when Jesus says, man, your sins are forgiven. That is earth shattering. You saw it by the reaction of the Pharisees and the religious leaders, right? What in the world? This is either extremely offensive or fantastic news, right? And that's the way it is today. It's either extremely offensive or fantastic news to you here this morning. The question is, which is it? Which is it? Because in reality, it is fantastic news. It is good news. And so if you're here this morning, you're considering whether or not you can be a Christian or what being a Christian is. What it is, is understanding a few basic facts, a few universal things. And by placing my faith in that truth, in those truths, We find life. We find restoration. We find that, number one, I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. Jesus is the only method that God has provided for that forgiveness, for that restoration. And the only way to receive it is faith. That's what it is to be a Christian. Now, that's the door. That's the door to life, right? But from there, there's a lot of room for growth. From there, um, we grow deeper and deeper in our understanding and our knowledge of um, a beauty that changes me, knowing Christ, walking with Him day in and day out. My eyes are opened to truth and the wisdom of God. 
And a spectacular process begins to evolve in my life. But first of all, just like I talked about last week, we find ourselves at this cliff trying to figure out what it is I'm missing. How it is, how is it that I get to God? And that, that's what we're talking about here this morning. And you may be standing at that cliff, on that cliff this morning, considering, questioning, wanting even to know the answer of what it means to know God and how to move to that place of real relationship with Him. And I want us to discuss that this morning. It comes down to forgiveness and faith. And I want to look at forgiveness first. Look at verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this one who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? See, the, the point is forgiveness. Who can forgive? What does he mean, forgive, forgiving this man of his sin? What, what is that all about? And so what does it mean to find forgiveness? First of all, we wrestle with this, but the first fact is I am a sinner. In finding forgiveness, the first thing I have to realize is that I'm a sinner. And I know, ouch, that hurts, especially in today's day and age. We don't like that kind of wording. We don't like that kind of language. And this is where we lose a lot of people. This is where the gospel loses a lot of people. When we start saying, I'm a sinner, it's like, whoa, easy. Some people are on, on a run in life, Right? Some people are on the run in life. They're running from God. They're running from the message of the gospel. They're running from Christ because of this very thing. My whole view of God is based on the fact that I don't want to acknowledge this right here, that I am a sinner. Isn't there some other way to put that? Isn't there some other way to to discuss that where it's not so accusatory and I don't feel so bad about myself? I quote C.S. Lewis with this all the time. Um, in, in, uh, he talks about comfort and truth. And it says, in religion, as in war and everything else, comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair. See, it's no surprise to this man that he's a sinner. Somewhere deep down, we all know that we're broken. Somewhere deep down, we all know that. You remember, Jesus told the story of two men who were in the public square. One stood on the corner and he talked about, uh, he said a prayer out loud, like, God, thank you that I'm not like these publicans and these, these sinners. I'm not like them. I'm, I'm much better than them. Thank you that I'm, I am uh, holy and I'm not like uh, even this one over here, this tax collector, any of those. I'm, I'm righteous. And the other one, the tax collector, stood to the side and he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, only one of those men, only one of them went home justified. There's no other, there's no other step to take first and foremost except that recognition that I am a sinner. What what Jesus is saying there is that one man got it and one man didn't. One man understood who he was and one didn't. I believe we all get it. We all understand that we have sinned, right? Even these Pharisees understood it. But the issue with us as humans is we have a great capacity for self-delusion, right? We have a great capacity to convince ourselves that I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. 
We can, cons- we can convince ourselves of great and terrible lies. Just look through the history of mankind. But we see it as an asset too many times. If we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, if we can, if we can find inner peace ourselves, if we can make ourselves better, then give ourselves a, a pep talk, tell myself that I'm good, and actually surround myself with others who will say the same thing about me, then, then I can be at peace. Then maybe I can find some purpose in life. But it, it avoids the truth that we're all sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all a part of that club. The human race. No one is left out. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Death is here because of sin. All men, it says, from the beginning, from Adam. What does it mean that I'm a sinner? It means that the standard set by God, I've broken. It's found in Scripture, and it's also written on my hearts. In The Descent of Man, you know, Darwin, he wrote, I fully subscribe to the judgment of those writers who maintain that all the differences between man and the lower animal, of all the differences between uh, man and lower animals, the moral sense or conscience is by far the most important. Even he realized there's something different about mankind. We have this moral compass to a certain degree. C.S. Lewis calls it uh, the law of morality, right? The law of human nature. We have this sense of how we ought to behave. And we do not, in fact, behave that way all the time, right? The Bible tells us that our very conscious conscience says that to us. The Bible, Scripture tells that to us. Every one of us have missed the mark. We've ultimately operated as a God unto ourselves. You may say, well, I've never done really anything that bad. Number one, you were born into this fallen world, into this cursed world that sin has dominated and taken over. We all have. And we've operated in such a way where I'm God and God is not God. I may, I may go to church once in a while and just give a nod, say a prayer once in a while, but God is not God in my life. That's idolatry, right? So that we're all guilty of the sin of idolatry. And I know this part is kind of uncomfortable, but the only way to get to the joy, the only way to understand what true freedom is, is to know what it is to be chained. And we're all in that group. Idolatry is what makes you and me and every other human a sinner. That's our condition. We're, we're brothers and sisters in that. However, we live in a culture, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, of blame. We do. Anything to get the responsibility and the blame off of myself. And so this forgiveness idea is a tricky one because I, I, I don't want to admit that I'm a sinner. I don't want to admit that I need that. I would rather just move on and let's, let's try and do better. And yet I'm miserable the whole time because I know that it's not true. I know that I'm not okay. You're probably saying, Steve, thanks a lot. I got out of bed this morning, got in the cold for this. There's joy. There's freedom coming. But Jesus goes right to this man's real need. He came with his 
health. He came with one need in mind, but he also knew Jesus saw his heart. He also knew that what he needed was forgiveness. Why is it so difficult to accept that I'm a sinner, that idea? And I promise I'll get off this right after this. But the thing is, because we see it as manipulative, right? If we hear some, we hear the message that I'm a sinner, it's like, I know I'm broken. I know that I, I don't do things perfect, but I feel like I'm being manipulated when you confront me with my sinfulness, and actually what's better for me and what, what culture tells us today is that I'm a victim. Now that feels better. That feels better. If you preach the message that I'm a victim, you're a victim, that feels better. The solution to my relationship with God, the lack of peace at the core of who I am, is not that I'm a victim, but that I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner before a holy God because victimhood just traps me. I was having a conversation, I think, with Max this week. We were talking about politics and different issues that are going on in media and all these things. And it just it seems to me anybody tells you you're a victim, they're trying to manipulate you in some way. Admitting that I'm a sinner is the first step. A good friend of mine uh, who recently came to Christ he was telling me uh, about this, the situation and he said, I basically just got on my knees and said, God, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. He's like, I, I felt myself in this battle, in this, in this battle against God. It's like I was resisting. I was on the run. I was trying to make my life better. I was trying to, I was on this pursuit of getting better and doing better. He said, but I was exhausted. He had tried to find his identity and and meaning in every other way to avoid admitting that he was a sinner. He fought for social social justice causes. He somehow thought he could find his identity in those things or, or in his sexuality or his gender. He has this long testimony. It's beautiful of how God brought him to faith in Christ. But he, he was seeking to find peace in all of those things. And he realized, I was just... Avoiding saying, I'm a sinner, when God already knows it. (laughs) He already knows that about all of us. The truth is, I'm a sinner. And because of that, brings me to my next point, and that is, I need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. That's first and foremost. It's the most critical issue pending for you and for me. Because all of who I am, all of who you are, is affected by that. And there's a solution. There's a way in which I can get recalibrated or reset in the way in which God desires for me to live and think and be. And it's forgiveness. You know, there's a saying that I hear from, from young people today, and my kids, I don't know if, if it's new or not, but I don't remember saying it. But it's like, they say, it's whatever. It's whatever. It's so frustrating when you're trying to have a conversation. It's whatever. No, no, no. Let's, let's discuss. It's whatever. See, that doesn't work with God. We, we do that with God in our sin. We start talking about my brokenness, my sinfulness. We go, you know what? It's apathy. It's, it's whatever. It's all good because we're so afraid of being found out. We don't want to address it. But the thing is, the truth is, God is a holy God. He loves you. He cares for you. 
We stand before a holy God and he, and he made us for a relationship with him. And the only way we can have that relationship is in truth. The truth is I, I've sinned and I need forgiveness. The Bible describes sin as rebellion towards and against God. We don't see it that way. But that's how God describes it. That's how God sees it. And to have peace with God, we need forgiveness. And this is a big deal. Because like for these men, after all this work to get to Jesus, go through the tiles, all these things, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Even the Pharisees were like, whoa, wait a minute. Healing and miracles and all that stuff, you know, that's fine. We've seen magicians come. We've seen tricks. We've seen different things coming. But forgiveness of sins, that's a big deal. You see, in the the Jewish uh, calendar, the two main holy days of the year are Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The New Year and the Day of Atonement. uh, Rosh Hashanah is first and then 10 days later is... Yom Kippur. And it's the most solemn day of the year. It's the day of atonement in which the Jewish people repent of their sins. This is seen in the Hebrew scriptures in, in, in the day of atonement when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. That once, one time a year he'd go into the Holy of Holies and he would make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And they would put the blood of the sacrifice on the goat and take it out uh, outside of the city, the scapegoat where we get that term from. He'd burn incense. It was a big deal. He wore specific clothes. It was all a big deal to, to get sin out. The Day of Atonement. I, saw, I was watching a movie the other, the other day. I, can't, I think it might have been Annie Hall. And he's talking about his family. And they show his family talking at dinner. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's, they're eating. And they're like, what are you celebrating? He's like, it's a, the Day of Atonement. You know, forgiveness of our sins. Repent of our sins. And he's like, well, what is that? I don't understand what that means. He goes, ah, to be honest, neither do we. Just going through the process. Neither do we. We don't know what that is. But that's what that comes from. Is because somewhere I know that I'm a sinner. I know that things are not right. And you know what? Here we go. We got this day of atonement. We can get our sins forgiven for the year. And then we go on sinning. Jesus comes and declares to this man, you're forgiven. He's come to heal the relationship with this man, between this man and God, between you and God, and me and God. It's about forgiveness of our sins. Have you ever been part of a dysfunctional or broken relationship and, you know, maybe something's going on and you're trying to act like everything's cool and it's not, and then you're uncomfortable every time you're around each other, it's, you know, it's cold and you know there's something up, there's, some, there's a problem, but you're trying to just, let's just keep going and we'll forget about it. No need to apologize. It's the worst feeling. And we talked about, remember a couple months ago we talked about forgiveness and there's studies showing what a lack of forgiveness does to me, does to us physically, emotionally, causes depression, all these things. It has increased risk of heart disease and diabetes, all these other things because, because I, I, I grow cold in my heart. But forgiveness, calm stress, leads to improved health. Spiritual unforgiveness, when we decide, you know what, I got this, it's whatever. I'll do my own thing. I don't need to rectify this relationship with God. It destroys us. It has effect on us spiritually and physically in every other way. The Bible says it results in death ultimately when we continue to walk in our sin. 
It causes destruction, and we see that in the world all around us. Throughout history, society after society has tried to get it right, get it right, and then it implodes and fails. And well, let's try it again. We'll do everything right. No, it just keeps being destroyed because we're not seeking forgiveness. We're not finding forgiveness. The Bible says God cannot look upon sin. He's holy. He's perfect. But He built us and He made us to have a relationship with Him. And we're sinners. And so that has to be addressed. That brokenness has to be addressed. And here's the good news. When that brokenness is addressed, when we receive that forgiveness, we find healing. We find freedom. We find restoration. And like I said before, forgiveness is a tricky subject because of our pride, right? We have a warped view of forgiveness because we think, well, who are you to say you forgive me? You're better than me? And oftentimes we manipulate each other in our relationships to to get forgiveness, to avoid accountability. But God is not manipulative. He loves you more than you can fathom. And forgiveness is everything in restoring that relationship. And he offers it. It's interesting that that Jesus didn't right away address this man's physical need, right? He was a paralytic. So many come to Christ. We come to Christ and we're, we're, it's like we're coming to Tony Robbins. We just want, like, give me some good advice. I got most of my life okay. I need a couple little things here. I need this and that. If you would just give me that. I just need my issues resolved. But the thing is, when we come to Jesus, he never, he never addresses what we think he ought to address. He dives to the heart of the matter. Every way in which you and I are broken... Every health concern, every sickness, every disease, every pain, every struggle is a result of sin. It's a result of this fallen world. Jesus knows that. He knew that this man's physical condition was secondary. So how do I find this forgiveness, this restoration? Well, that's where we get to faith, right? Faith in what? Well, first of all, Uh, Jesus is God's only method of providing forgiveness. That's a universal truth. He said there in verse 20, and when he saw their faith, what was important, what Jesus saw, what put this forgiveness in motion was their faith. Verse 18, they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. They knew that Jesus was the way. Matthew 26, 28 says, Jesus said this at the Last Supper, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That's what it's all about. Jesus coming to earth, Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the grave, that's the way in which God provided a path for you and I to have forgiveness, to have this restoration. Ephesians 1, 3, and 7 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Listen, that's why Jesus came. That's why the manger. That's why the cattle stall. That's why the wise men and the star. That's why His healings, His teaching. They were all a path to the cross to pay for my sin. 
to give me forgiveness, to give you forgiveness. That's why Jesus hung between God and man, so that you and I, we can't find that forgiveness on our own. We can't work hard enough to get that forgiveness. He offered it. Now, there's an interesting thing here. Some have have asked, well, how could this man's sins be forgiven? Because Jesus hadn't died yet, right? He hadn't yet died on the cross. Well, the Pharisees got one thing right. In verse 21, they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? That's right. And Jesus proved to them. He said, here, let me show you. I am God. I can forgive sins. See, forgiveness is God's business. It's not our business. We don't tell God how to do it. He has set that in motion. He has chosen to put the debt completely on Jesus for your sin and for my sin. Even sins that were committed before Jesus, even through the ceremonies of the lamb and the goat and the bulls and all those things, all were a precursor pointing to Jesus because his blood paid for the sins of mankind. Every sacrifice in the temple, all a foreshadowing, all pointing towards the lamb who would come and shed his blood for our sins. So the blood on the cross was the actual payment of this man's sin. And Jesus demonstrated that he was God and that he held the power of God to forgive this man's sin. Jesus is the key. Now listen, there are other ways. There are other ways of seeking to find forgiveness or peace or whatever whatever else you're, you're looking for. But they're all based on my abilities to accomplish that, right? They all end in empty religion. They all end in disappointment in myself, more guilt, more frustration, and no peace with God. And we all want peace because we know we need it. But the way that most people think about the peace that we need, we think about world peace. We think about inner peace. We think about relational peace. Those are all great things. But the yearning comes from the actual understanding that I need peace, where that's coming from at my core is I need peace with God. If we'll find peace with God, which is why Jesus came, we can find peace in other areas. But as long as we ignore that, we won't find peace anywhere. Romans 5.15 says, But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many many died through one man's trespass... Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. What he's saying is, there's sin. Sin came into the world, in the garden. It's been in the world, it's been dominating the world, it's been dominating us. But he said, just as sin came in through that one man, Adam, grace, the grace of God, has come to the earth through the one man, Jesus Christ. Rejecting The gospel, rejecting this path of finding forgiveness through faith in Christ is like, I don't know, this may not even make sense, but it's what came to my mind. It's like if I stole your watch and I decided, you know what, I did it. I stole your watch. I I took it. But you know what? I'm going to make things right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a new haircut. And I'm going to work out more. I'm going to drink a little bit less. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna work harder this year. That's what it's like. A lot of New Year's when we make all these resolutions. When at the core we don't have peace with God, we're still standing in rebellion to God, and yet we're saying, you know what? I'm gonna make my life better. 
I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do these noble things that will make me better. Not, not that those things are bad, but that's not addressing the watch, right? What will restore us is, number one, give it back. Say you're sorry. Express regret. But here's the beautiful thing. God is not me. And if I were God, for you to get back to me, I'd make, it, I'd make you prove it. But what he says is, come in faith. Here's my son. He's paying the price. He's, he's paying the price for what uh, your condition is. And I want you back. He took the blame for me. That's who Jesus is. That's what he did. God said, none of this business about you working your way back to me. You couldn't do it if you wanted to do it. Just like you couldn't know what it's like to have a broken heart without having one. There's no way we can know how God's heart is broken with our sinful condition. But God knows and God came to us in Jesus Christ. And that brings me to the final point. That is, faith is the only method of receiving it. Right? So, number one, I'm a sinner. I have to admit that. I have to... Okay, God, I, I admit I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I'm, I, I'm seeking forgiveness. I realize that Jesus is your offering of forgiveness, building a bridge for me to come back to you. He's paid the price for me. And so I put my faith in what you've provided through Jesus. In verse 20, and when he saw their faith, not when he saw what their, the work they had done, not, not their religiosity. We don't even know what their background was. When he saw their faith. So the first act is of faith is believing what God says about me. Okay, God, you say that I'm, I'm sinful. I need forgiveness. Instead of making excuses, instead of saying I'm not that bad, I'm better than him or her, I'm doing better than I did last year, any of those things, acknowledging, yes, God, I'm broken. This guy didn't say anything, and yet Jesus knew his faith. Faith that he was broken. Faith that Jesus could heal him. Not just physically, but spiritually. We know that because that's what Scripture says. And we come in faith, repenting of our sins. And so we know that this man had that. He knew that he was a sinner. Not just that he was physically broken. Jesus saw his heart just like he saw the Pharisees' heart when they were thinking these things and saying these things in their minds. Jesus saw his heart and he sees your heart today. These men knew that Jesus was who he said he was, the Savior. And he demonstrated that faith by coming to Jesus for healing. So like I said about this cliff, standing, some of you, some of you may be standing wondering, how do I get there? How do I grab a hold of it? It's just, it's faith. It's saying, God, you know what? I believe what you say about me. I know it's true. And I, 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 I want it to not be true. I want our relationship to be healed. And I believe that you did that through Jesus. And so I accept that. I put my faith in that. That's it. And then the door opens. And then, of course, this beautiful adventure of God opening me up and, and teaching me more and more. See, Christianity is not some simply some deep, difficult-to-grasp theological swamp of confusing principles. It's also not just some warm, fuzzy hug or emotional therapy pet. Christianity is the understanding of and belief in the fact that I am sinful and broken and God desires me to not be that way. And so Christ died so that I wouldn't be. And he simply asked me to put my faith in that. 
And then you and I will live our lives accordingly. And one day, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, we will, every one of us, as sure as I'm standing here, will swing out into eternity, either trusting in that or rejecting that. I think I quoted this a few months ago, but Anselm of Canterbury, a 10th century monk, he said, For I do not seek to understand in order that I might believe but I believe in order to understand. Unless I believe, I shall not understand. What he's saying is faith is not just an intellectual process of, of connecting all the dots. It's, it's about hearing the message of Christ. It's about hearing the message of God and redemption and forgiveness and saying, yes, I want that, I believe that, and God will put the rest in place. Today, Christ is calling you and me to trust him. Now listen, Christian, if you are in Christ, you are forgiven. That's beautiful. That's freedom. That's joy. We should walk in that and, and have joy in it. I know we have difficult days. You have hard days. You have days where you slip. There's, there's, there's days when you fall, but we never have to lose the joy. We should never lose the joy that we are redeemed because God said so in Christ. It's not something that we are earning. There's a beautiful Psalm of David who knew forgiveness. You remember David and Bathsheba and all those things. But he knew the blessing of having this freedom of forgiveness. And this, this Psalm 32 was actually St. Augustine's favorite psalm and he had it written on his wall as he was dying so he could just continue to remind himself because he knew this is the number one thing that I will swing out into eternity on. Psalm 32 says this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. See, this is a blessing. It's a blessing. This is where our confidence comes in. In our small group the other night, we were talking about the confidence we have in Christ. And that comes from this because he has taken our iniquity. He says in verse three, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And he's saying, when I didn't confess it, when I tried to hold it and tried to hide it and say, I'm not a sinner, I'm cool, I'm good, you're good, it's whatever. It was a burden, it broke my heart. I felt it, my bones ached. Look at Psalm 51. As David prays this similar kind of prayer. And then in verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you. It's what we talked about this morning. And I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Listen, that is what it is to be in a right relationship with God through Jesus. That, that's what it is. I'm forgiven. When I place my faith in the redemptive, restoring forgiveness that Jesus has given me, has purchased for me, then I am forgiven. And then I go back up to verse 1 and 2, and I am blessed. I am free. And so we confess. As, as Christians, when you come through that door of the cross and forgiveness that Jesus provides, you are forgiven. You are made clean. But we also have that, that daily reminder in this fallen world that we still live in a fallen world. And at times, we do fall. 
And so we confess our sin. We agree with God when I do sin. Christ came, restored that relationship. He gives us his spirit. And so his spirit is with you, leading you, speaking to you. And so tend to that relationship, Christian. Walk in joy and tend to that. Spend time in the word. Spend time in prayer. It's by grace through faith. I want to live that way. I had a friend not too long ago say, how do you deal with the guilt? (laughs) Jesus dealt with the guilt. Do I struggle? Sometimes I do. Yes. But my focus is not me. My focus is Christ. I now have Christ as my advocate. I now have him saying, I've got you. I've got your sin. I paid the price for your sin. Look to me. Don't beat yourself up. Don't walk in the guilt and shame of it. I have it. I'm free. And when I know that freedom, we talked about this last week a little bit, he begins to change me, my desires, and the way that I live my life. When I know that freedom, that reconciliation scripture tells us that now God speaks to me, through me, to a lost and hurting world. In Corinthians, Paul writes about our message to those around us. Be reconciled to God. We become ministers of reconciliation because we know that those around us who have not experienced this forgiveness, it's not like you have your path, I have my path, you live your truth, I live my truth. What an what a unfair God that would be. Good luck. See how high you can score. Well, that, that, that religion's a little bit better. No, he made it clear. This is it. Come to me. Let me restore my relationship with you. And so we know the people around us who have not found that forgiveness are walking in that brokenness and walking, carrying their own sin, their own shame. And he's called us to love them, to demonstrate the love of Christ to them, demonstrate the hope when they look at your life, when they look at my life, even in the struggles, they should see a joy. They should see a steadfastness that says something's different there. And it's available to all. I know I've been quoting C.S. Lewis a lot, but we're reading through that book in our D group. But I want to conclude with this. In Mere Christianity, he writes, the central Christian belief, here we go, ears perked up, is that Christ's death has somehow put us right with God and given us a fresh start. That's what Christianity is. That's what being a follower of Christ is, in a nutshell. And so I pray for you today that you know this fresh start that Jesus gives, this peace that comes from knowing Christ and his forgiveness. And if you have, if you have, if you would say, yes, I've come to Christ, I put my faith in his pain, I believe he is who he said he was, I've come to him to make me right with God, then my prayer is that you're walking in that freedom. Walk in it. Live life at the fullest possible level. Take advantage of this life that Jesus has given you of joy.